everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! Uh, we've got a great episode for you guys. This one is real fun until it is not. Uh, womp womp. But just, I mean, like, that's the thing, is you all know what was going to happen at the end of Heaven's Gate. That's why you wanted us to cover it. Uh, we do our best to make it funny and happy towards the end. Uh, we also open up some of the coolest gifts we've ever gotten in my entire life, for sure. Very cool. Yeah, our, uh, at one point, Andrea gets so happy, she cries. <laughs> she also gets so sh- so sad, she cries. Yeah. And at one point, she feels nothing and then cries also. Look, there are a lot of tears, and much like our Patreon. Ooh, <laughs> a hell of a segue. Yeah, we've got a Patreon now. If you want to donate $5 a month, you will get a bonus episode every other week called The Speculation Zone. <laughs> it's uh, it's great. It's going to have guests sometimes. We're going to talk about really goofy topics, uh, stuff that's real cult adjacent, and it's going to be one hell of a time. Uh, every tier comes with a set of really cool gifts, and you also go to patreon.com slash cultpodcast to check out what we have for you. Uh, we also have another live show coming up. Live show! Live show! We're doing a live show on August 27th at 7.30 p.m. at Geeky Tees and Games in Burbank, California. Please come! It's our two-year anniversary. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be doing our live show, the same one we've taken across the country. And there will be cake! Cake, 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 cake. <laughs> Want to put your name on it. Thanks, Jay-Z. Tickets are going to be $10.00. Or you can get them for fifteen dollars at the door, but we highly recommend we highly recommend getting them for ten dollars at coltpodcastshow.com slash Burbank or by heading to coltpodcastshow.com and then heading over to the shows tab. Save some dollars, stay on budget. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty much it. You guys ready to get a hop into th- I forgot that you're wearing the gift right now. <laughs> Oh man! I kept mine on. Yeah. Oh jeez. It's uh. Yeah. If uh, if you don't, if you want to know what we're talking about, go over to our Instagram or our Twitter or our Facebook group, and you will see exactly what we were gifted, and it is so fucking amazing. It was so good. I'm so happy. Y'all ready for this? Podcast, 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 and podcast, podcast, podcast. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Gazetta. Yay! And it's Armando's week again. It is. I'm back. I'm feeling better, sort of. It's hot uh, as balls. It is very hot. I feel like I'm dying. I have had um, roughly about an hour and a half of sleep. And then I helped my mom move into her new house. And then you took a 20-minute nap. And then I took a 20-minute nap uh, where when I woke up, my girlfriend and my mom were talking extensively about my childhood. That's why you should never fall asleep. (laughs) Trust no one. 
and I spent the last two days having extensive oral surgery. Oh, that's right. Hooray. Paige, can we talk about that? <laughs> the yeah, least, you know, we're not, the least fun kind of oral. <laughs> she, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> Hardcore oral surgery. Yeah. Paige sends us, we have a group chat, obviously. We have a group chat, and Paige sends us a picture of uh, a very confused looking The Weeknd, the singer The Weeknd, <laughs> next to just some schlubby white guy. And then I, re- I realized that what she's telling me is that Paige now has the same dentist as both The Weeknd and Miley Cyrus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or at least their pictures are in his lobby, so I'm assuming. Yeah, no one in the pictures looks happy, except for the dentist. Yeah, he's like, oh my God, can you believe it's The Weeknd? And The Weeknd's just like, ah. I guess. <laughs> Good teeth, though. Yeah, Beautiful. apparently great, great teeth. teeth. He's going to want to be high for this. That's a weekend lyric. Ah. Uh, so we've all had exciting weeks is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, it's I been good. F- I feel like every update on this podcast about our lives is just how our bodies are falling apart. <laughs> I am deteriorating. I did the math and I had a total of about, uh, what was I, fuck, it was like 11 hours of sleep this past week. Yeah, this this is why you're going to die at 50. Oh, God, I hope so. Which makes it. <laughs> it's so so much it definitely makes it less creepy that we're dating knowing how soon you're gonna die (laughs) yeah because you're eight years older than me but my body has progressed 20 years in the last month um yeah we're we're back we're back with heaven's gate part three uh so before we get started uh i want to give you the updated list of sources that we're using for this week's episode first and foremost heavensgate.com boy do i hate looking at this website (laughs) hard to read god it is the worst it is truly the worst website i think since neopets Again, I, I know Neopets has come up before, and I have no memory of, of Neopets as a cultural touchstone. That's fine. Heaven's Gate has much better mini games than Neopets does, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> the second source is the 1999 documentary Heaven's Gate, The Untold Story. Uh, the article Looking for the Next World by James Fallon. The article Outside <laughs> Heaven's Gate, A Mother's Vigil Ends by Sharon Waxman. The book Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion by Benjamin Zeller. And the podcast Heaven's Gate by Glenn Washington. So, when we left off last week, the two had just pulled off their biggest mass conversion yet in Waldport, Oregon on September 14th, 1975. A little over 20 people from the small town left at the same time to join the group calling themselves Human Individual Metamorphosis on their journey to Fruta, Colorado. Okay, I mean, like, maybe acronyms. Yeah, this is, um, (laughs) this is so, this is, this group is so weird because, uh, I found out that they had like three other different longer, longer names. They were really, yeah, off the tongue. They were like, yeah, we, what we really need is more syllables. Um, and, and then eventually like they finally settled on heaven's gate and they stuck with it because, uh, uh, apparently everyone was just like. Yeah, finally. We got a good one. That's the only good name we've ever thought of as a group. I mean, yeah, you have Doe and... T and Doe. T and Doe. Bo and Peep. Bo and Peep. Guinea and Pig. Yeah, we get to Heaven's Gate, and they're like, two words. They kind of make sense. They evoke a feeling. Let's go for it. 
I was thinking Heaven's Gate Metamorphosis Association. Now, see, you lost me. You <laughs> lost Gate me again. Gate Association for the Metaphysical Spiritual Sciences of Men and Women on this plane. God damn. That's not far off from like their second one. I yeah. didn't even bother writing them down because they have a new name for like a week. It's like a punk band. They have a new name. <laughs> they have a new name for one week, but they still suck the same amount. The mass exodus of citizens meant the group made headlines for the first time. And at this time, press was not exactly a good thing. This is only six years after the Manson murders and around the same time that another group known as the People's Temple was starting to arouse suspicion. So fearing persecution and accusations of being a cult, the group decided that it would be best to go underground, so to speak. So, as the group reached the slopes of the Rocky Mountains just outside of Fruta, they prepared their followers to be spread out across the country. In order to ascend to the next level, you needed to sever your ties to Earth. The two called this transformation the process, which is probably their first example of naming something exactly, like just nailing it on the first try. That's true, because I have expected them to be like, we're no longer called Sonic Death Monkey, we're in the process of being called (laughs) Kathleen Turner Overdrive. (laughs) (laughs) So the process, uh, it consisted essentially of three parts. Leaving your old life behind, Mm -hmm. transforming yourself, and overcoming human attachments. Everyone who joined the group had already accomplished part one. They had left their homes with four changes of clothes, a mode of transportation, if they had one, and whatever money they could bring with them. Everything else from their old lives, they just left behind. A majority of the group's members were baby boomers, more often described as the hippie type. I was, uh, Andrea and I were actually talking to my mom about my own grandparents uh, earlier today. And if it wasn't for the fact that my grandparents lived in Southern California, they would have definitely joined Heaven's Gate. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> These are the type of people, like, my grandparents uh, were the type that, that they describe exactly. They're just, like, a bunch of hippies that, like, hang out at one place, and they kind of have, like, a semi-commune going on where, like, people just, like, come in and leave. Like, I had what I thought was an uncle who I called Big Big Mike, but it just turned out to be some dude named Mike who's really big big. So <laughs> I have no way of knowing who any of these people are. My, my mom was telling me, like, she had people she thought was family that just turned out to be, like, like she talked to my grandma yeah she would talk to my grandma later my grandma was like oh cheryl no cheryl's just my parrot girl that's who i get my parrots from wait how many parrots does your grandmother need i don't know obviously more than one to keep cheryl around well (laughs) i mean like they live for like 20 years unfortunately his grandmother also kept cats it was like oh okay 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 problem yeah But people, these people were basically, they were already on their own spiritual journey and their departure could kind of be written off as like a leaving the nest moment. Like these people left home and went out and started traveling and uh, their parents were like, I guess the youth are going to do what the youth are going to do. Wait, is it possible that she's like part parrot? Cheryl? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I hope so. (laughs) Like, Like she just takes off her shoes and it's talons. Oh my god! <laughs> that would make to me that makes more sense than buying multiple parrots from a single person. I can't wait to watch Cheryl the Parrot Woman fight Big Big Mike in the fight at the end of the oh, movie. Oh, she's gonna win. We'll attach razor blades to her feet. <laughs> but this this like uh, leaving the nest 
behavior or, or attitude towards uh, people leaving didn't cover all of the followers. Some members of the group were leaving behind families of their own. People like John Craig, who is a successful land developer and former Republican candidate for Colorado's House of Representatives. I can't, like, for the amount of times that we've come across people who either served in the House of Representatives or were candidates for the House of Representatives that are either in cults or start cults, it's enough to make me suspect everyone in the House of Representatives ever. Oh, yeah. It's almost like all politicians are idiots. <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so John Craig left behind a wife and six children to join the group on their journey. I mean, I get it. Yeah. You he, ever been around six kids at once? He was even one of the 39 members who stayed around until the very end. Ooh, yikes. It's stories of abandoning family that make us think, this shit's fucked up. <laughs> Last week when I told you about the group's first follower, Sharon, and how she left behind her husband and two-year-old baby, we all agreed that it was super fucked up. Sharon! <laughs> <laughs> But members weren't just following blindly. They were being taught that their orders came directly from the Bible. And Herft used his extensive knowledge of Christianity to pick out verses throughout the New Testament that justified his reasonings. Like this verse from Matthew 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit internal life i cannot stress this enough the bible is available at any bookstore if somebody tells you something is in there and it means a certain thing read it for yourself it is wildly oh, accessible for sure you can look it up for free on the internet just read for context so that you don't I mean, like this is a huge thing in cults just read it it's also not an extremely well-written book. I don't know if that's there's offensive There's a lot of say. contradictions. Yeah. yeah. It's written by like 60 different people. It is. But there's also like, because it wasn't written uh, originally in English. Yeah. Sometimes I was reading it like, just listen to this sentence one more time. Houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or fields. Also, the most frequently used word in the Bible, I believe, is just the word and. They use it like every <laughs> other word. Well, in part because it's it's originally in a syntax that doesn't mirror the way English is spoken. It's kind of like if you learn to speak a romance language and it's like, to the store, go you. Yeah. So it's things like that where the direct translation doesn't necessarily immediately translate to English. That's why if you're studying the Bible at any point extensively, look at some of the original languages if you have them available to you. Yeah. The worst part about romance languages is that instead of saying, like, uh, I go to the store, it's uh, I fucked the store last <laughs> night. <laughs> Got all up in her aisles. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Price check. <laughs> On my ass. <laughs> so this is important to remember because Bonnie and Herf weren't claiming to be two people who invented a new religion. They were two aliens who came to Earth to tell you what the Bible actually meant. They were reframing something you were already familiar with and putting it into a new context. Straight up, though, if you see pictures of Herf later on where he's got the crazy eyes and the bald head, I'd believe he was an alien. Yeah. Like, he, it's like, that's not your first skin. Even even his, like, original, like, what he looked like before, he looked like an alien, uh, what an alien thought a Texan was supposed to look yeah. like. <laughs> Just like, I, am, I, have, I have created a composite in the same 
form and people are like, oh, close. I don't know who this is for, but even when he was younger, he looked like the grandpa from Hey Arnold. Yeah. Oh my God, he does. For real. Yeah, he just looks, he looks really stupid. He also, he's got like the same haircut as uh, young Homer Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> he oh his, his haircut transitions from like Milkman, young Homer Simpson, very young Justin Bieber for some reason. Yeah. And then eventually he just shaves it all off. Yeah, he just has like the one bang, like... Do you know what I mean? Like somebody watched an episode of Scooby-Doo and was like, give me the shaggy. Yeah. Oh. Also, I was watching new episodes of Scooby-Doo and they have uh, a whole thing about the new show is that Velma and Shaggy are uh, on again, off again. What? So even Velma's saying, give me the shaggy. No, she could do better than that. She can. You Velma, mean, you smart girl. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you need someone to balance your high and high. What is it? High strongness. Like Velma's high strong and Shaggy's super chill. So like I'm sure Shaggy Yeah, Velma's high her strong and Shaggy's just high, high. Just high in general. Yeah, but you introduce that high strong woman to some weed like His best friend's a dog. Okay. You're making great points. <laughs> His best friend's a dog and I don't care how well he's jinking her smurf. It's it's just <laughs> not good. And after you left your old life behind, the next step in the process was to transform yourself completely. This step was meant to both change you physically and mentally. The two taught their followers that your soul was inhabiting a human body, or as they put it, a vehicle, uh, until it would be taken to the next level. Now, some people had... Uh, Honestly, if I was going to rate my body as like a vehicle, <laughs> I'd say that I have the same 2006 Honda Accord that I drive in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like spiders underneath the hood. <laughs> the bumper is busted to shit. The bumper is my my back bumper is falling off and is ha- and is stitched back on with well, zip ties. Why does it always smell like Taco Bell? <laughs> hey, baby, that's just the life you live. In. God, you're my Velma. You're welcome. <laughs> I feel like my body vehicle would be a mall cop Segway. Ooh. <laughs> it works best in air-conditioned areas, and it just observes and reports. <laughs> what about you? What uh, kind of vehicle are I you? I think my vehicle would be a moped <laughs> because I can't carry a lot, and I'm like- You get tuckered out real I easy. You get tuckered out real. Like my, my, my greatest speed is not on the highway. Like I, I can't go on the highway. I'm cute looking. Uh, and I can't carry anything significant. Just a baguette. Just, Just a baguette. And a, and a small dog. That's perfect. Wearing a tiny helmet. And because the name you were given at birth wasn't your real name, it was just your vehicle's name, like I would be in 1996 Armando Accord, uh, you needed a new name that would symbolize your rebirth as a member of the group. New names consisted of three letters followed by the contraction OD. O. D Y the O D <laughs> came from the end of God. And the Y was meant to represent your childlike state as a student of God. Like how somebody named James might've gone by Jimmy when they were younger. And if you get an M, it means that you'll live in a mansion and an A means apartment. Shack is for S and then H is house. And then also you get to choose which celebrity you marry. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't really care how the game works as long as I get to kiss Kevin. Okay. <laughs> His name's Jody now. <laughs> For a second, I thought you said Chody. And I was she like, did. I super did. I she super, super did. said yeah, Chody. For sure. 
Why would ODY be your ending? It's a dumb name. Well, the OD came from God, and the Y came from like they're the bad at names. I think we've established they're bad at names. The yeah. order for the scientific discovery of the OD of the spirit of the resurrection in space. Well, uh, so they, the, the, the three consonants came from like your name and then Odie came from the holiest of all aliens, Odie from Garfield. We, so does that mean my name would be Peyote? No, not necessarily. Uh, <laughs> so the way that it worked is that sometimes your name was based on a part of your old name. Like a member who was born Susan Elizabeth Nora Pop, which, by the way, too many names. You don't need a new name. You need less names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was rebranded as Nerodi because her, I don't even want to say middle name, I guess third name. God, that's too many names. Was Nora. So they changed it to N-R-R-O-D-Y. Nerodi. That These just makes her sound. Names. Yeah, it makes her sound like she has neuroses. Yeah. Other times, a new name had no correlation to your old one, like with John Craig, the former Republican politician who became Lagodi? Uh, L-G-G-O-D-Y. So are they, so it's just consonants, it's not vowels? Because like N-R-R-L-G-G. There seems to be almost no... Respect for the English language? Yes. Okay. First and foremost, uh... And also, it's not even like a romantic language. It's like an opposite of romantic language because nobody in this group is fucking. Um, but there seems to be like no consistency where at first it was like three consonants and then O-D-Y. But then some of them are like, uh, some of them have A's in them. One of them is like devotee or something. Um, Two of them are in wingdings. Also, <laughs> at the end of it, one guy just renames himself Rio, just the name Rio. So does he dance near the set? <laughs> it was for the old people. Oh, I uh, was thinking that parrot movie. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, there just seems to be absolutely no consistency between what they name people. Uh, it started out with three. One guy's name was just Sawyer. Um, sometimes they said that they were given a name and then they like, somebody was like, yeah, I don't really like that name. And they would just change it like a week later. Uh, there really is no hard and fast rules, at least at first for the group. Well, and they also don't really believe that it matters, right? It, yeah, that is the other part. The reason that Bo and Peep and T and Doe and Guinea and Pig, like the reason they changed their names so many times is because they truly did believe that names were completely meaningless. In fact, Doe and T, their final names, the ones that they uh, agreed on, the reason they picked those names is because they sounded so, like, so pointless and so meaningless that they they really drove home like your name means nothing you are not your name you are not who you were as a human being you're not a human being essentially too is the other thing you're a 2006 honda accord that smells like tacos exactly that's who you are the renaming went just beyond yourself homes became crafts short for spacecrafts Kitchens were renamed Neutralabs. Uh, laundromats okay. were renamed Fiber Labs. Um, oh, because fabric, fiber. Okay. Oh, that I makes do kind of like Neutralabs. That sounds like I'm eating. That sounds like I'm on Star Trek, and I'm eating food from a replicator that may be in the shape of a pill. That's really fun. That's cool. Yeah, they. Th th 
I looked it up. I think Star Trek came on the air in like 66, I want to say. Yeah, early in the 60s. That makes sense. So they they were basing some of their stuff off of Star Trek. Also, I don't... uh, One of the members... One of the cast members of the of the show Star Trek, their sibling, I believe it was their brother, joined the group and was present up until the end, too. Like, there is a lot of connections to Star Trek, both in their philosophy and also in just, like, really weird ways. I get that. Next Gen is awesome. Yeah. Well, the thing this is, is, too, way it's before like... Next Gen. I, I know. This, this, is, is, this is OG. OG. Yeah. yeah. After all of that came the physical transformation. Men were shaved clean and given a buzz cut, and women had their hair trimmed short between uh, boot camp buzz and let me speak to your manager Bob cuts. <laughs> Wait, by you mean shaved clean... I don't mean everywhere, okay. although that is pretty hilarious. That, that was my question. They they were shaved. Uh, their their beards were shaved off. Their beards, mustaches, uh, mutton chops, uh, everything. Every every hair on your head was kind of shaved. Again, at this point in time, a lot of their rules are not hard and fast. So there was one guy who was like, they asked him the question of like, does your beard stop you from uh, focusing on your spiritual journey? And he was like, I guess not. And they're like, well, I guess. I guess just keep it then. I don't know what to tell you, man. Are pubes allowed in space? Uh, that is a good question. Uh, for that, we're going to have to go to the pube lab and okay. figure that one out. <laughs> the idea of transforming yourself came from Bonnie's study of New Age practices, where the idea of self-actualization and spiritual transformation would lead you to enlightenment. Only their methods basically only help to strip members of any sense of individuality. They, they, there is no, like, that's why these names happen, like Lagodi, Narodi, Devoti. Uh, one guy was named Talodi because he's a little bit taller than Lagodi. Um, that sounds like a joke. It's not. That, oh, that's, I thought you were fucking with That's me. in the exit videos. Uh, they, they all have these names that sound like, if, you, if you're not really truly paying attention, you, they all sound the same. And they all really look the same. They're all clean shaven. They have their heads shaved. Um, they're all wearing very similar clothing. Uh, everything about them is so similar that it strips away any sense of individuality. And they're because the goal is to make them no longer human beings anymore. So that's what all of these, um, all of these process, or or this step of the process rather, is meant to do. After you were transformed, it was time to move on to part three of the process: overcoming human attachments. Without your past life and with no sense of self, the only thing tying you to Earth was desires like drinking, doing drugs, and having sex. Basically, the cornerstones of any good party or any bad company Christmas party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Although these vices were the main focus, the group's rules also prohibited other common human aspects like procrastinating, asking stupid questions, and even using more toothpaste than necessary. In order to make sure you were held accountable for following the group's rules, every member of the group was paired with another member who would serve as your check partner. Although... Your relationship with your check partner was often a test in and of itself. So wait, by a test, you mean like they're going to pair you with somebody that you're deliberately attracted to or something to see if you can withstand like slobbering their knob? <laughs> yeah. In uh, 
in layman's terms, they're putting you with somebody to see if you can hold back from slobbering on their knobbering. Um, essentially, the process was that they would give you somebody that uh, that you might find yourself attracted to. They weren't going like moonies with it and playing Tinder with their followers. But if you were straight, you were paired with somebody else who was straight and of the opposite sex. And if you were gay, you were paired with somebody who was gay of the same sex was this part of like kind of for her because he felt like his sexuality was a destructive element in his life i think so yes absolutely so it was kind of like a way because that's what he was doing with bonnie is he felt bonnie was his sexless life partner and that in order to have this good relationship they couldn't have sex or they shouldn't or whatever real quick what do you think she would be more upset to be called pig or sexless life partner (laughs) (laughs) which one of those nicknames do you think was more hurtful i always think of grandparents as sexless life partners and that's how i want them to always remain in my mind they are super not yeah no for real gonorrhea is like rampant in in old folks homes i'm not listening Neither are they, but they're still fucking. Lost their hearing years <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. ago. If you're, it's like in college, if your roommates are fucking, there's nothing you can do. You just have to like sit there and let her weird boyfriend build a pyramid over your computer. A but, pyramid! But That's if you're an so old folk <laughs> and your roommate is banging it out, you just take those hearing aids out. That's brilliant. And then you don't even care if he's got giant flame cowboy boots and a Pantera like crop top. It's just It doesn't even enter into your periphery. That is no. a specific specific fear i'm not saying that this has happened to anyone finish on midentures i <laughs> want what, what? Oh. did you take them out or oh. while they're still in the mouth they were never in baby <laughs> now i'm just like <laughs> gum job baby nipple let's clamps. go oh my god oh my god dentures, nipple nipple dentures. <laughs> do you like my nipple clamps i thought those were knee clamps if i'm being completely honest oh, oh my god man. I'm imagining dentures like a bear trap. I'm see, I'm picturing a tennis ball on the end of a vibrator. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> like, Shut the, the fuck like up. the bottom of a walker. Yeah. You're not it's doing any so walking hot. after that one, baby. It's so hot. But because there weren't always enough members to pair groups uh, the same way, like with this way of pairing you with somebody that you might feasibly be attracted with. Sometimes you'd be paired with somebody that the two thought you just wouldn't get along with. Oh, that Why sucks. would you do that? The idea was to make you confront your human desires, like giving into sex, getting into arguments, or using too much toothpaste, you know, shit like that. You would have to confront it head on. This way, you couldn't just be around all of these people and force it deep down inside. You actually had to confront it and overcome it. So would you say that you had to apply these confrontations directly to the forehead? Yes. Real world, heaven's gate. (laughs) Will Stacy confront Molly about how much toothpaste she's using? Find out next. I fucked Chad too. Throw Chardonnay. No one's fucking anyone. No one's fucking anyone. I didn't fuck Chad. Too. <laughs> you know those night vision videos that they do in all reality shows like when people have sex yeah but it's just them sitting in like just quietly in rooms by themselves <laughs> shigoti it's... if you weren't such if there wasn't a ufo coming i would call you a bitch right now <laughs> i'm thinking of the night vision goggles but someone sneaking toothpaste <laughs> <laughs> just like squirting it up into their mouth like a go-gurt just 
<laughs> just quietly brushing their teeth in the dark. God, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> this part of the process was a mix of spiritual development and the Bible. Aspects of confronting your human wants and desires appear in both New Age studies and in the Bible, like in Luke 4, where Jesus goes on a road trip and has to fight off the devil, trying to tempt him every step of the way. For 40 days with bread. And yeah. to be honest... I don't know that I could withstand temptation with bread. Which, I guess, in this scenario, that would make Satan Jesus' check partner. And I'm not clear on the Bible, but I do remember the story of when Jesus turned water into too much toothpaste. I do remember that. <laughs> that one's always clear in my mind. Just remember, when you get tempted with bread, that's how you get a yeast infection. <laughs> <laughs> but baguettes are so good. They're the right shape, too. After their followers had begun the process, it was time to split up. Around October 1975, the two sent their followers in pairs across the country, with the only goal being to have a spiritual journey and to try and recruit some new members along the way, just like Bonnie and Herf had a few years prior. Each pair of followers was given about $50, a general direction, and the instructions to go wherever they felt the need to travel. And the routine was simple. Every day. Gym, can, laundry, get those grenades! I'm just, I've got to be real with you. If you're sending these people on road trips, some of them fucked. Oh, for sure, for some sure. of them are. They must have. Yeah, and that's something that I will get into very quickly, as, awesome. as did they, very quickly. Um, the routine was actually pretty simple. You'd wake up at your campsite or craft you check in with your check partner get on the road find a new place to stay and then repeat every day you wake up check in drive camp wake up check in drive camp over and over and over and over for months members made their way all across the country sometimes even making it outside of the country to mexico and canada and the two had no idea how many members left or how many members were recruited to replace them but in late February of 1976, the two sat down for an interview with a New York Times reporter, and it became abundantly clear how disorganized the group had become. Bonnie and Herf reported that their follower count was between 300 and 1,000, but the number was actually closer to about 150. That's still pretty extensive. This for is kind of like how the Bundys. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, like the, the Bundy yeah. family? No, no, no. Yeah, like the standoff where they're like, we have 500 people. And it's oh. Like, we have six people. I thought you meant the TV show Married with Children. Oh, yeah. I mean, they didn't We choose. have 300 to 1,000 children. And it's, uh, what is her? Katie Seagal? Katie Seagal. Just being like, no, we don't. So- a lot of members defected for various reasons. Some felt that the two had abandoned them. One member recalls trying weed for the first time and realizing that getting stoned was way better than being in this fucking group. Yeah, good call, buddy. <laughs> and one woman went on record, on record with a newspaper reporter saying, after three months without an orgasm, I decided this trip was not for me. Good call. Good call, honey. Did they try putting tennis balls on it? <laughs> <laughs> but more damning than defectors was talk of more fraud charges. When you joined the group, you were asked to give any money you could bring with you to the two. And some people came with 
just pocket change. And one person brought $14,000 cash in a brown paper bag and just handed it over. Okay. And no matter what amount you gave, you were only handed about $50 and then sent on some wild goose chase to find enlightenment. And former members were claiming that they had been sold a ticket on a spaceship ride and now they wanted their fucking money back. Or that sweet spaceship ride, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And things weren't going so well with the followers they kept either. At the first few recruitment meetings, the two had told their new converts that the UFO would be here to pick them up within a year's time. But 10 months later, there had been no progress and the group seemed to be falling apart. And some members were starting to have babies. (laughs) Clearly not sticking to that abstinence thing. The only thing sticking was all the toothpaste they were using. (laughs) They were just like, fuck this group. I bought $50 worth of toothpaste immediately. (laughs) My teeth are so fresh, so clean. Facing criticism from all sides, Bonnie and Herf made an announcement on April 21st, 1976. The harvest is closed. (gasps) There will be no more meetings. The recruitment phase was over, and now it was time to focus on the metamorphosis itself. Somehow, Herf was able to get a message out to a majority of the remaining members of the group. He used a complex system of short-term P.O. boxes and delivery drops where he sent items to his followers across the continent with coded clues about where the group was headed. Now, this is an interesting side note. In the movie Heaven's Gate, The Untold Story, there's a fucking... (laughs) There's a hilarious scene where about four members of the group try to decipher the coded foods, but they just get into an argument over whether or not they are allowed to eat the food. <laughs> That's very funny. He sent a banana, and that feels sexual, but also I am hungry. The and weirdest horny. Part, weirdest I'd say part, horngry. Weirdest part is he put a tennis ball on the end of this banana. <laughs> Does that mean anything to you guys? It j- I think it'll make the banana quieter, but like I don't know how much of an issue that really is. But there's also a moment where the filmmakers explain the process and how truly amazing it was. Somehow, Herf Applewhite had created a code that was uncrackable to anyone who didn't have the cipher. Even those who knew what they were looking for found it almost impossible to figure out. But there's a reason why he was so good at this. And this is this is something that we covered back in episode one. From 1954 to 1956, Herf was an instructor for the Army Signal Corps. His job was to manage communication and information channels all across Vietnam. He then applied the same tactics when setting up contact with his followers across the United States. There's there's this moment in the in the film where they're talking about how complex and how complicated the code is and they're like we have no idea how we learned how to do this and I'm fucking yelling at my TV he was in the army he was so good at it they had him teach other people how to do it yeah it's just this, it's it's never a good moment when you have to scream at a television the government did it it always makes you feel like a fucking insane person <laughs> The coded clues told any members who were able to figure them out to meet the group at a campsite in the isolated Medicine Bow National Forest in Wyoming. It was time to finish your transformation and prepare for your ascension to the next level. Of the projected 300 to 1,000 members the two thought they had, only 88 members found their way to the campsite in Wyoming. 
but now the days of loose leadership were gone. They drew clear lines between the members in the group and those in the outside world. They built up a sense of us versus them. Before, you might have been able to visit with past friends and family on your travels. You may have even been able to form new friendships and relationships with people along the way. But now it was different. If you weren't fully committed to the group, you would be completely cut off. And in just under two years, the group had gone from a movement to the religion of Heaven's Gate. Dun, dun, dun. Is this when they get the name or is the name still later? This is about the same time they get the name. Okay. The, 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 the period of time that we're about to cover is really muddled by the fact that like they purposefully tried to go underground. Because every time they uh, did any sort of interview with uh, the press, it just went so badly for them in fact in one of the articles uh herf is giving the answers and bonnie keeps having to stop and being like don't say that they're gonna take it out of context oh jeez. um so yeah there's just so much frustration from with the press and with how they're perceived and also with other cults that are happening around the same time that they're just trying their hardest to go to fly under the radar um and and kind of go off the grid but there was also a reason the group was starting to build up a wall between them and the outside world a reason separate from all of the press and criticism because for the first time the group had what they believed to be their main antagonist a 43 year old single mother from chico california (laughs) Wow. What? In order for you to understand the end of Heaven's Gate, I have to tell you the story of Nancy Brown. Back in the 1960s, Nancy Brown worked for a school in the small beach city of Carmel-by-the-Sea, California. This is a real name of a city, by yeah. the way. It's Carmel-by-the-Sea, California. Yeah. That is the most insane fucking... I don't know. It's just the most insane name for a city that I've ever heard. So she worked for uh, she worked for a school in the city teaching drama and English classes. With three young boys, her options were basically spend all day at work or stay strapped for cash but have a little extra time to spend with her kids. And she chose the latter. By the way, I also chose the latter and no one fucking gives me credit for it. You don't have any kids. I chose the latter to fucking jump off of. Dog. Fucking <laughs> off that shit, bro. Sponsor. <laughs> him monster sponsor me by the mid 70s her kids were almost grown-ups themselves especially her oldest 19 year old david moore how were their ladder jumping careers uh pretty terrible david lived and worked about an hour and some change away in the town of los gatos california again (laughs) it's a town that translates to the kitties, I mean, not directly. I guess technically it's the cats or the city of cats. Meow. Yeah, Los Gatos. It's, it's right, it's kind of near San Jose. Yeah. It's yeah. about an hour away from Car- Carmel by the Sea. Yeah. Carmel by the Sea. Ha- Carmel has a lot of like antique shops and spas. It also has the stupidest name in the entire world, and I will not go back on that. Very oh. nice vacation spot. David lived and worked about an hour away in the town of Los Gatos, California, as a mechanic at an alternative high school. 
He was single, often broke, and wasn't in college or planning to enroll anytime soon. Sounds like my type. When you said alternative, (laughs) I thought you were going to say like an alternative mechanic shop as if you would just like pull your car in and be like, can I get an oil change? And they're like, no, but we can recharge your crystals. What if we put in a flux capacitor? Can I get an an oil change? Nah, fool. The oil has to want to change for itself, dog. But we do offer Reiki services. And then just somebody just like <laughs> waving their hands over the hood of the car. That was so I good. Opened, that makes me so happy. I opened up the hood and you just put in crystals. Yeah, you said you needed it to be recharged. I meant the battery. <laughs> it's fine. Um, Yo, dude, we aren't okay with battery. You got to respect each other. <laughs> I'm just doing my dad's accent too. That's the other thing. It's because when I when I think of mechanics, I just think of my dad who is a mechanic and hates everything that we would have just talked about or anything that I've ever said, really. Very cute. Um so David told his mom that the conventional path of a career and family weren't for him. Huh. David felt like there had to be something more to life than just living to work and working to live. And so he decided to move to Los Angeles and become a dancer. Or he decided to work it for the weekend. Just another thing to work for, I'm just saying. And in the summer of 1975, David drove up the West Coast to San Francisco to hear a duo called The Two speak about a new path. One that would, within the year, take you to a place called The Next Level. And after his first meeting, he called home to let his family know that he was leaving with the group. After four weeks, Nancy hadn't heard a word from her son, and she began to worry. Then she read about some group of hippies who believed that a UFO was supposed to take them to heaven. And even better, they were having another meeting coming up in San Francisco. So she decided to go, if only to try and find David and make sure he was okay. But what she found absolutely shocked her. She found her son, but now he was a completely different person. His long blonde hair had been buzzed off. His jeans and cowboy boots were replaced by tailored trousers and tennis shoes. She almost didn't recognize the man standing in front of her. Nancy saw that her son was serious, but more importantly, that he was fine. So she decided to leave him be. But she stopped hearing from David altogether after that. A year went by without any contact. Then two years. Then Nancy started calling the DMV, the Social Security Administration, any organization that she thought might have information on David, but none of them had heard anything at all. Never underestimate the power of a mother. Then she saw she saw the group make headlines in 76, but then they seemed to drop off the face of the earth. By 1979, her life was in ruins. She had quit her job, and she had almost quit life altogether. It was like her son had died, but not really, because at least in death, she would have known what happened to her son. So she began traveling the country, trying to track down the group now known as Heaven's Gate. And she found other parents of people who joined. She got a hold of former members. She talked to experts and journalists who had been to meetings or studied the cult. She followed the path of the pairs that had journeyed across the continent with the same intent of finding the group. Only her goal was to try and bring her son home. In 1980, she used all of the information she gathered over the course of her search to write an essay titled My Story. 
She sent that essay out to the families of people who had left to join Heaven's Gate. She asked them to send her any information they had so she could compile it and share it as a newsletter. By doing this, she created her own information network, one that helped provide understanding to families in the same boat as her, people who were caught between acceptance and loss, understanding and grief, people who just wanted to know what the fuck was going on. And after two years of dedicated hard work, in 1982, she learned that the cult had gotten a hold of her newsletter. And then she got a phone call. She came home one day to a voicemail left on the number listed on her newsletter. It was her son, David Moore. The message said, This is your son, David. The two are not really comfortable with what you and the other parents are doing. If you want to know how you can help these parents who want to hear from someone on the trip... If you would print in your newsletter the names of those parents who will promise not to kidnap their family members or keep them from doing what they want to do, I'll promise you that most of these parents will hear from their loved ones pretty quickly. And I don't want you to worry about me, because there's really nothing to worry about. Shortly after the message, parents of members and the two worked out a compromise. Members would occasionally call or write home if the families agreed that they would not interfere with the group's mission. In 1984, Nancy Brown stopped writing her newsletter. She believed that it had served her purpose, and she had gotten exactly what she wanted. Her life was back on track, and she was even able to pivot her semi-career as the founder of a newsletter to a real-life career in marketing. Nice. In 1985, David came to visit for a weekend, and the family was reunited for a short period of time. He was pale and thin, but he seemed happy. And really, that's all that Nancy wanted for her son. He had spent over 10 years trying to overcome human attachment, but the time he spent at home showed Nancy that deep down he would always love her. Unfortunately, this story doesn't have a happy ending. Twelve years later, David Moore and 38 of his fellow members would be found dead in a San Diego mansion. But how did the group go from a gang of former hippies talking about taking their physical bodies to a real-life heaven to people who joined in the biggest mass suicide on American soil. The two taught their followers that the sign of the end would come when Bonnie and Herf participated in an event they called the Demonstration. It was the same event they foresaw in their original prophecy back in Oregon during 1973. The two would be martyred, and then after three days, they would rise again to lead their followers onto a UFO that would transport them to the next level. The problem is, after 10 years, the demonstration never came. Twice they had given their members a date, and twice they had been wrong. Predictions on how they would be killed ranged from government assassinations to angry gunmen fueled by propaganda from the hateful outside world. But everything changed on June 19, 1985. Bonnie Nettles, known to the group as Pig, Peep, and eventually T, died of cancer. It had started in her eye and eventually spread to her liver. She passed away at Parkland Memorial Hospital under the name Shelley West. Her body was cremated and her ashes were spread over a lake somewhere in Texas. Dying had never been a part of the deal, and if it was, Bonnie and Herf were supposed to die together. But now one of the two was gone, and the remaining one had to figure out what to do next. And fast. And that's where we'll pick up next week on the final part of our series on heaven's gate 
What a bummer. Yeah, yeah, bit of a bit of a bummer. The uh the ending of this episode and definitely the end of Heaven's Gate as a whole is a it, it's probably an understatement to call it a bit of a bummer. <laughs> it's not it's not very it's not a very happy tale. Um yeah, and and <clears throat> I think it it's really hard when you look at the people that got left behind and when you look at the families because there's just no real answers there you know is. like you know this thing happened but it feels like for a long time this person that you loved your whole life is just missing and you don't know where they are and even if they contact you like the person that's contacting you isn't the person who they were because they've been so changed by this group yeah so like when you talked about like her not knowing where her son is and starting to look for him, it's like that is such a visceral feeling of this person that I love who's just suddenly missing. And there's some type of like finality that comes with like, oh, they died or like, oh, something happened to them. But not knowing where they are and not knowing what's going on with them is in some ways just more heartbreaking because there's no you're so afraid you know and that fear hits you whereas like there's a finality to death where you can deal with it but when someone's just missing or when you don't know what's happening to them that's like so scary yeah she said uh uh, nancy brown said that once uh you know once they 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 got a hold of the possessions of her son after he passed away um it kind of brought her a lot of, uh, I guess the word would be like solace, just closure. like closure, yeah. because what she found was a detailed journal that described what he did basically every day. So she got to find out what her son had done. So she filled in that gap eventually, which is one of the only like, I guess, lighthearted parts of the story is that eventually she did find out everything and she's she's come to terms with it now. Now she she feels better about it. And for a long time, like you said, like you have no idea like why they left uh, and you can't talk to them anymore. And like it was also sudden when she when he decided to leave um, that like for a long time she blamed herself because I mean like you don't know the true reasons like why they left and you don't know like why they decided to never come back. And I think the thing that's really hard when stuff like that happens is that the people that are left behind feel like this person hates them. Yeah. Or this person doesn't love me anymore or whatever. But or what even it is, that there's is, something that you could have done to prevent or stop it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's really hard because it's like. I love this person and they don't love me back anymore, you know, like, but it's your child or it's your family member. Or it's someone that you really care about. And so it's like that's so. Like extra hurtful. Yeah, for sure. I know that this episode, um, if you can't tell, Andrea's very much tearing up, uh, which is fine. It's a it's a very sad episode. It's really sad. So I decided to try and bring a little bit of levity to the end of part three uh, by compiling a list of some of the most batshit crazy names of cities in the great <laughs> state of California. <laughs> We've already covered uh, Carmel. Is it Carmel? Carmel. Carmel. We've already covered Carmel by the Sea and Los Gatos. But have you heard of the town of Yarp, California? 
No. They hold the United States record for longest distance between a post office and the county seat. Is that also what the dude from uh, Hot Fuzz is yeah, saying? Yeah, that's what he is says? there is there a companion city called NARP? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Yarp. California, and they hold the weirdest world record. Actually, maybe not because there's a couple other. Have you heard of? Uh, have you heard of the town of Likely, California? Uh, not, not likely. likely. No. <laughs> no. It got its name because its citizens couldn't decide on a town name, and someone said they'd likely never all agree, and then they all <laughs> agreed that Likely was the new town name because that's, it's a city full of assholes. That's, that's how funny. my alma mater got its mascot. So my first two years of college, uh, I spent at UC Irvine, and they are the UC Irvine Anteaters, zot, oh. zot, zot. Uh, and it's because it came in second on a survey uh, it was like a unicorn, something else, an anteater, and then the first place option, which was no choice, <laughs> where it was basically like none of the above, and then anteaters. So they went with anteaters. That's now, welcome funny. to the field, the UC Irvine Maybes. <laughs> the UC Irvine declined to state. <laughs> oh, oh, one citizen of the of the city of Likely holds the world record for. I don't know what this means. But here's a sentence you've never heard before. They hold the record for the most autobiographical sheep herding stories. What? Yeah. Wait, did they publish a compilation of sheep herding stories about themselves? Are they a sheep? I have no idea. I have no idea what this means. And every every word in this sentence sends it into a different trajectory. The, the, okay. okay, most, for sure, autobiographical. What? What? Sheep? Huh? huh? Herding? What? what? Stories. Is this UC Irvine? Is this another? <laughs> it's such a weird fucking. All right. That makes no sense. Yeah. How about this one? Rough and ready, California. No. What? Do they just make condoms and lube? Do they just make <laughs> gay porn? <laughs> I assume they make gay I'm, porn. God, I'm pretty I hope sure so. Rough and ready is a brand of, of I believe, anal lube. The town Rough and Ready, California, is most famous for seceding from the Union yes. in 1850, which is 10 years before the South did it. <laughs> and they seceded just to avoid paying taxes, and then they rejoined the Union three months later. Sounds about right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the last one that I found was the town of Forks of Salmon, California. <laughs> Wait, what? Forks of, of salmon, salmon, California. Okay. Oddly enough, it's landlocked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the town of Forks of Salmon, their only notable citizen was a man named Russ Sturges, who went on to become a filmmaker and, quote, champion freestyle kayaker. Yes. I, thought for sure, I thought for sure you were going to say Russ Sturgeon, and I was like, is their most famous citizen a fish? Why did they name their town <laughs> oh after a God. different fish? Russ Sturges has got to be the pseudonym for a fish. He is a champion freestyle kayaker who knows the waves better than a salmon, baby. And he paddles against the current just like a salmon. <laughs> These town, this this state is so fucking ridiculous. We have a city. Uh, there's a couple honorable mentions. We have a city that's straight up. It, the, the name of the city is just Badwater. There's also weed. weed yeah, weed, weed, weed California. Weed. Uh, oh, what is it? Weed. 
and then next to it is uh, Sky High. Yeah. And Weed, uh, we I think it's like Weed Stash or is something. Is that where weed you were born? No, that's very funny. That is where when I was going at, because you have to drive through, through weed. Through it to get to Oregon. Yeah. Uh, and one time I stopped in Weed, California, and like asked them where their sign was, and they got really upset, and they were like, we had to take it down because people steal it every time we put up a new sign. <laughs> we're not going to keep putting up new signs. Get out of Weed, California. So on there's only like one exit in Weed, and if you get off that exit, it's a store of basically tie-dye and yeah. like bongs. And know so, your market. Yeah, exactly. On a family vacation driving up there, we got off. We walked through the store because you gotta. Really, I thought you'd. I thought you'd get off in rough and ready California. <laughs> hey. I mean, maybe on our honeymoon, but like, <laughs> yeah. So we not we with got, your dad. <laughs> no, uh, and my sister and I filmed an Insta story that I'm sure is somewhere where it's just playing the Chronic underneath, yeah. and we're just like, you know, hanging out and pointing at the sign. I have two white girls on vacation. I have the same video where I'm passing by the exits and it's just Bob Marley is blaring from my speakers. <laughs> it's like two seconds long and it's one of the best things I've ever recorded. <laughs> Ours is like super zoom with just like boom, 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 boom. So that that is the end of the episode. Does that bring you a little bit of levity? I feel much better. Okay. Good. Yeah. We're also gonna feel so much better when you. I'm open. so yeah. excited for presents. I'm glad we saved it till the end because I w- I'm so excited. Can I give a little preface on these? Yes, please Wait, do. Can I talk about this thing first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So real quick, uh, so uh, so we got we we got this in the mail and I'm really excited about. It. It's really cool. It's a book. It's called Poke Anatomy: An Unofficial Guide. I don't know who it's from unless it's from the author, who is Christopher Stoll. If that's you, thank you so much. But if you sent this to me, uh, DM me so I can say thank you. I really appreciate it. It's super cool. Uh, And what it is, is it is a book of the original 151 Pokemon plus Togepi. And it is drawn like an anatomy book. So half is like the outside of the Pokemon and half is like the inside. And sometimes it has parts where it says anus. And I think that's funny. (laughs) but it's really great. Togepi used anus. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. It shows it's like super effective. It shows like what the skeletal and an oh, anatomical oh, structure that's creepy. would it's look creepy like as of fuck. every Pokemon, <laughs> and then it gives like uh like a physiology and like the the it's like it's an anatomy book, and it combines all my favorite things, which are Pokemon and biology books and homework. So, thank you so much. <laughs> Uh, and also art. It's really beautiful, and yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it glows in the dark. The cover glows in the dark. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the best gifts I've ever gotten, and I'm so happy for it. Speaking of pretty good gifts, we, we have some – we also got other gifts this week. And yes. so this kind of started uh, with the person who sent us these DM'd us to see if they would fit in our P.O. box, and I thought she said four by six feet not four by six inches. Okay. And I was just like, yeah, I guess that could stay at our P.O. box. So when I went to pick it up, I was just like, how am I going to get this home in the car? And they handed me the small box and I felt a lot better. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, this is from Annie Libertini. And I highly recommend you check out her website because it's super cool. It's www.annielibertini.com. That's A-N-N-I-E-L-I-B-E-R-T-I-N-I.com. We'll post a link in the description of this episode. For sure. Find one in there. Uh, The note that comes with them says, 
Happy 100 Episodes Cult Podcast. Paige, Mondo, and Andrea, I listen to podcasts while I work, and you guys are my all-time favorite. To thank you for being awesome, I made you these gifts. I hope you will open them on the podcast. Enclosed are a couple of uh, I a couple of my cards in case you want to see what else I work on while listening to you. Love, Annie. P.S. They're all for your left eyes. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all okay. right. Okay, I seen a rainbow yesterday. There'd be too many stumps. So that was left eye. Paige, real quick, since you already opened yours, will, I you opened read, mine. will you read the card that you got, though? Yes. Okay. My card just says Gator Justice. <gasps> okay, let me see it. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah, check it out. It's a, okay, oh guys. So what it is? It's an alligator eye. We will post it's photos on the patch, Facebook page. But it looks page. like an actual alligator eye. It looks like an. It looks like Brad Laveau's eye. Yeah, yeah. it looks Amazing. like I've got one human eye and one gator eye, and you it's look the like best a, thing in the world. You look like a super villain. The second I found this, I was like, "How can I work this into a Halloween costume where I'm some sort of reptilian? It's gonna be amazing." I'm so excited. Oh my god, I love it. I it's like. I was so overwhelmed because, like, when I first read it, I was like, oh, my God, somebody sent us eye patches. That's amazing. And then when I opened mine, I was like, holy shit, somebody sent it. Like, this isn't just an eye patch. This is she a work made of art. These? It's she so made these. beautiful. That's so if you so go to her cool. website, it's got her other leather art on there. And it's amazing. She makes owl masks that are really cool. She made owl masks for the TV show Gotham. So what the they're fuck? super cool. They're really sick, it's, dude. So this eye patch is amazing. I have seen a picture of yours, but I can't wait for you to okay, open it, Andrea. Don't tell me. So mine says, uh, I tried to go full Lisa Frank for your eye patch. <laughs> Definitely the brightest colors I've ever put on leather. And my wrapper is pink, which I'm really excited about. Aw, and mine has a red. Oh, it's a unicorn! What? <laughs> Look at that! What the fuck? That's so cool! I love it so much! <laughs> Andrea's crying again, but these are happy tears. I saw the picture of it, I was like, oh my god, she's gonna lose her mind! That's so amazing. I'm wearing this on stage tonight. Yeah, do oh it, do it, do it, do it, do it. We have a, we're doing comedy at 11.30 p.m. at Madhouse tonight. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm definitely wearing this. All right. Mine says, uh, it's got a really cool drawing of a face on it. Oh, it's Charles Manson's face. What? Hi, Mondo. I was trying for the Charles Manson crazy eye on your patch with spider, of course. Oh, God. Not a total success, but still a creepy crazy eye. Oh, God. I am so excited because yours is the one I have no idea about. Oh, shit. Whoa. Dude, I have Charles Manson's eye as an eye patch. Oh, what that's the creepy fuck? as fuck, oh, dude. Oh, yeah. It looks like the Necronomicon, and I am here for it. Yeah, it's really cool. The pupil is a spider. What? Let me see. What? Oh, my God. Oh, that's fucking good. First of all, that's photorealistic as hell. Yeah. Dude, this is so that's amazing. Crazy. It's, it's like really noticeably Charles Manson, too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love the addition of the way that she makes the strap that kind of like Charles fit Manson. with the thing. Like yes. mine's a pink ribbon. Mine Armando's is, green. is Yeah. Pages is green. Like Armando's is kind of like knotted, but they all have like the same feeling as the eye patch. It's oh my so god. well done. Yo, straight up, she like completely truly guessed my head size. My, mine, <laughs> mine too, and I don't know how she me. did it. But. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but uh, I don't know if this makes sense to anyone who's never worn a fitted hat before, but I wear a size 8. 
That's a big head. All I can see is the fake eye, and it's so creepy. It's so good, dude. It's so good. That's so, so amazing. Like, we have to take a selfie before oh, yeah. we leave. Okay, For that's sure. amazing. I'm going to wipe some sweat off first, but then yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate this. It is so cool. This is probably the amazing. coolest thing I've ever gotten in my life. I got a Nazi coin, and this is so cool. This is really cool. I love this show so much. <laughs> nice to us. Thank you so much. You're so yes. nice. You guys are amazing. Um, Hey, speaking of amazing things that you people do, I shouldn't say you people. Our what do you mean, you people? I mean, you cult podcast listeners, you fucking hooligans. <laughs> Speaking of beautiful things that y'all do, uh, we have a Patreon now. Uh, we have a Patreon. It is up and running. You can find all the information for it at patreon.com slash cult podcast for just $5 a month. You get access to a bunch of Speculation Zone episodes, which is extra bonus content. And that's what you should be the most excited for because we get to do a bunch of cool shit um talk about a much new exciting things uh if you like kind of the funny end parts of our show like when we dive into really weird really really weird stuff and just try and make it as goofy as possible then you will love our bonus content uh additionally every tier comes with a, a cool group of different merch and it's super awesome Sorry, I'm just laughing at the word tear because I've been crying, so. <laughs> <laughs> also, we've got another live show coming up. Live show, live show. We're doing a live show August 27th at 7.30 p.m. at Geeky Teas and Games in Burbank, California. You Tickets. can bring your own food, but we'll have cake. Yes. Because it's our two-year anniversary. It and is. Uh, tickets are $10 online. You can go to coltpodcastshow.com slash Burbank or coltpodcastshow.com and then head over to the show's page. Uh, or they will be $15 at the door. But we highly recommend you getting them online in advance. Save yourself some cash. Yes. Get it, girl. Um, And I'm going to say, if you want to see a picture of me with this sweet fucking Charles Manson eye patch on, uh, then follow me online on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M A N D O Does Stuff. You can also go to my website, which is MondoDoesStuff.com, to find all of my show dates. And if you want to send me ideas for Halloween costumes that can incorporate one gator eye, any supervillain, any supervillain, uh, go ahead and send those to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Uh, if you want to see me wear this eye patch to work on Monday and <laughs> not at all address it, uh, follow me on all the things at Sundress Comic or check out my art at Andrea Gazetta. And we will for sure post pictures on our show Instagram, which is Colt Podcast. Or Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also go to our email to, uh, I don't know, just email us about your eye patch. Send us a picture of your eye patch. Do it to uh, coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Yeah, if you've got fun eye patch ideas, send them. I'm curious. Because I, when I heard we were getting eye patches when I read the note, I would have never imagined, A, the beautiful level of craftsmanship, yeah. but B, the ingenuity and inventiveness to make them all themed. Also, the sentence, yeah. you'll be getting an eye patch, sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad with the end result. So good. So, so good. If you want to send us anything like this, you can send it to our P.O. Box, which is 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like The Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say... Um, 
Be careful with tennis balls. <laughs> Yikes. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Can I stab my eye out now just so I have a reason to wear you this always? You don't need to it's stab so it. You can cool just wear the eye patch. It. You don't have to have an excuse. Ah, I got the wrong eye. <laughs>